not sure about you, but I love holiday. Um, I'm sure most people that I, well, most people that I know love holiday in their lives. And in, to, to the point that I, I have a friend who not only love holiday, but also love planning for holiday. And she loves it so much, not only planning for her own holiday, she enjoys planning for someone else's holiday. And, and I guess the idea of holidays we, is the fact that, is the, the reason we like holidays is because the idea of resting. You know, we, we don't have to do our work, we can rest, we can just relax, we can just chill out. I guess that's why some of us, or a lot of us, hate Mondays and love weekends. And when it comes to Friday, people say, thank God it's Friday. Even there's a restaurant that call, you know, uh, TGIF. Um, so, and, and a lot of people love Christmas, especially non-Christians who love Christmas because of its holiday seasons. Well, school kids love Christmas time because it means they don't have to go to school. For them, it's, it's resting and playtime at home or going somewhere else on holiday. And even non-Christian love Easter because they get four day long weekend. Uh, my, my colleagues who, who do not know anything about Christianity, well, looking forward to Easter every year because they, they get to plan to get away and uh, not come to work on the long weekend. So I guess the, the, I, the fact that we like the holiday and rest, it's because that, that is what God has put in our lives, in, in our hearts, that we do desire rest in our lives. We, we, we don't desire, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, for, for 12 months long, uh, nonstop. I don't think we have that kind of desire because God put in our hearts that we need rest and rest is good. And rest is essential to our well-being. So, um, and every day, for example, you don't have to think about uh, weekends or uh, Christmas holiday. Every day, in fact, we need rest, don't we? Most of us would need a good night's sleep. At the end of the day, a long day of hard work, we want a good night rest, um, good rest at night. And, um, and then that accumulate, right? Until end of the year, we need a good recharge at the end of the year, a retreat as a person. And in fact, the idea of rest and retreat, it's, it's so useful for our spiritual growth that it has been encouraged that for Christian to actually take a personal leave away from your family. So if you're married, then take turns uh, with, with husband and wife, take turns to, to take a personal leave, to retreat yourself and just have rest between you and God spending time with you and God. It, it, it's a healthy thing, and it's been encouraged uh, for, uh, for Christian to do that. So if you're married, think about that, you know. Just take, away for, uh, take a day or two away, once a year, away from the family, and, and take turns doing that. Uh, it, so back to our study in Ruth, uh, the reason I'm talking about rest, the idea of rest, is because we, we get to chapter 3 now where it will talk about that idea of resting. What Naomi and Ruth is looking for is actually rest. That's what they are searching for. And um, chapter 2, where we left off last week, it ends with a, a rather important statement. So let's look at chapter 2, 
verse 23, the, the last bit especially of, of that, it says this. And she lived, this is the last sentence, and she lived with her mother-in-law. See, the thing with scripture is it's there for a reason. It's telling us, even though uh, the chapter 2 uh, ends with, um, see, in chapter 1, Ruth was saying, Naomi was saying, I came away full and I came back to Bethlehem empty. And then in chapter 2, we see how last week, um, Ruth returned with plenty, with much of uh, barley. Remember that? And they, they're no longer hungry. As if they are, you know, they are now fulfilled. They once empty, they are now full. But yet the author of Ruth is telling us something is still missing in this one statement. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Um, so what the author of, of, of the book is telling us is something is still missing. Something is still not quite fulfilled yet. Ruth is still not where she's supposed to be. She still lived with her mother-in-law. So that's, that's how the, the book ends. And uh, that should anticipate us to, uh, to chapter 3, how God will work in Naomi and Ruth through Boaz in uh, fulfilling this kind of emptiness that they have. So it's, it's an important statement uh, of chapter 2. It's kind of strange if, if you just read it like, why? well, we know that. Why, why it's in there? Well, it's in there for a reason, for us to, to catch that. Uh, though they are now has food, they still have, well, Ruth still has no husband. No husband meaning there's no heir, no children, no future for them. So something is still missing in their lives. So a bit of recap as well. Um, chapter 1, verse 22, it says that Ruth and Naomi returned to Bethlehem at the beginning of the harvest, right? And then chapter 2 ends in verse 23, says that we've read before that, you know, it, it, it is at the end of harvest season. So you can see chapter 2, what happens there? Chapter 2 starts with the beginning of the harvest. Chapter 2 ends with the end of the harvest, so chapter 2, basically the harvest time, okay? And this could take about a few months. Two to three months could be even longer. So months have passed in this chapter, basically. Some time has passed in chapter 2. So don't read as, as we jump into chapter 3. Don't think like, oh, it's an overnight. Ruth has met Boaz in the field, in the threshing floor, and now the next day. It's not, uh, because it started at the beginning of harvest, it ends at the end of the harvest. So months have passed as we get to chapter 3. So we need to take note of that. So, however, what, what happens here at the end of the harvest, somehow the, relation be, the relationship between Ruth and Boaz, though it was beautiful at the beginning, it hasn't progressed much. It hasn't progressed much. And, just, uh, and I think this somehow frustrates Naomi a little bit, right? The mother-in-law thing, like, what, what's going on? Months has passed. Nothing has changed. Uh, it's, it just hasn't progressed. And its relation between Ruth and Boaz is not even platonic yet. It's just like, you know, a uh, brother and sister or, or uh, employer and employee, a serv master and servant kind of 
relationship at this stage. So we can imagine how Naomi must have gotten a little bit restless as we get to chapter 3 by this stage. So this leads us to chapter 3. So we know a season of harvesting has passed, has done, yet Ruth and Boaz's relationship hasn't progressed much from the initial encounter. Okay? So this leads us to chapter 3. How did Ruth and Naomi then find rest? Because something is not quite accomplished yet, it's not fulfilled yet. Yes, they have barley, they have food, but that seems like still missing. Naomi says, well, the author says, Ruth still stay with her at home. And she needs to be somewhere. She cannot stay at home with Naomi. So I want to cover a couple of things today. I want to cover the idea of that rest is essential in our life, in our well-being actually, that we need rest because it is, it is part of God's good design for us. So the fact that we need to rest and sleep at night, don't feel bad about it. The fact that we need to retreat uh, from, from the world once in a while, regularly, it's because God has designed us that way. So I'm going to cover two specific things, really. One is, what is rest and how do we find rest? How do we find rest? What is rest and how do we find rest? Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. So let's begin with this. What is rest? Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? So rest is good. Naomi says, I want to find rest for you so that it may be well for you. And the rest of the chapter is the rest of chapter 3 is then it's driving towards this. Naomi effort, initiative to uh, find rest for Ruth. Okay? So we all need rest, as I said, for our well-being because it is God's design for our life. And this is why we need good night's sleep at the end of the night. And we need good rest. Uh, we need good holiday. Uh, it, it's okay. Um, it's all part, part of God's plan. And, and if you can sleep, sleep well at night, that's God's blessing in your life. And not, not, don't take it for granted. Not everyone can sleep well at night. Uh, a lot of issues, a lot of problems in the world is because people can't sleep. So if you can't sleep well tonight, it is God's blessing. Now, if you can't sleep well at night, maybe you need this, we need to seek God as well. Well, maybe we need to... Not only that, maybe we shouldn't drink coffee at night or drink tea at night. Uh, there are practical things that we do, but sleep is so essential to, to our well-being. And let me read to you what uh, National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke says. Sleep is important to a number of brain functions, including how nerve cells, which is neurons, communicate with each other. In fact, your brain and body stay remar remarkably active why you sleep? Recent findings suggest that sleep plays a housekeeping role that removes toxins in your brain that build up while you are awake. Do you see that? Recent findings suggest that sleep plays a housekeeping role that removes toxins in your brain that you build up while you are awake. So rest at night is crucial. Um, young people especially, if you know, if you are into 
whatever you're into and, and don't get night sleep and you know when you wake up in the morning what's going to happen, right? It's not your, yourself. And, um, so, and many of our sinful actions as, as Christians and even non-Christians uh, can easily be eliminated if we just have a good night rest. Just think about yourself. Think, think about a situation where you don't have a good night's sleep and think about what, how bad the day turned out for you. Everything is wrong, right? As you get up, you, you are so grumpy that before your husband or your wife or your siblings say anything, you are already so mad at them. Like you, you have this kind of inner grumpiness and madness before you even talk to anyone in the house. As soon as you met that person, see that person, you just go like, oh, you just don't know what. Well, maybe because we need a good night's sleep. And a lot of them uh, can be, and, and what it, it, the research says, one of the uh, top triggers for any addictions actually that make us do what we're addicted to negatively is because of what they call HALT, H-A-L-T. Halt is hungry because we are hungry, because we are angry, and because we are lonely, and because we are tired. A lot of people are angry because they're tired too, isn't it? So if you're not tired, a lot of, a lot of uh, problems in our life can be eliminated actually, quite easily. So if you have a good night's sleep, I know I'll be less angry and less grumpy. I'll be more patient. Uh, with people, I'll be more cheerful, I'll be more, uh, you know, outgoing, I'll be more willing to help and talk to other people. You know, they, if, when you're tired, when I go to work and tired, I really don't want to talk to anyone. And if I don't want to talk to anyone, it's hard for me to blessing to, be, to other people. When I'm so tired, when I commute on the train, I just want to put my headphones on sometime and uh, close my eyes. I don't even want to look around and try to engage with people and bless people with kind words, with encouragement. And that's all simply because I'm too tired. I didn't get enough sleep. What a loss of opportunities, right? And, and I would be more alert if I have good sleep. I would be more alert, be more focused. But what, what does the Bible say? Let, let's look at a few things. What the Bible says about rest, the biblical idea of rest, it's richer and much more than just a good night's sleep, obviously. So when the Bible talks about rest, it's not just about having a good night's sleep, even though that is a good thing, right? When we've seen rest at night, it's really good for us. And God has designed it that way for us to sleep. But the Bible has much more to say. And the Bible idea of rest and the idea of what Naomi say here, that I will find you rest, it's much more than, well, I'm going to find you a way for you to sleep well at night. It's, it's much more than that. And let's look at that. Genesis 2, verse 1 to 3. Let's start at the beginning. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished. This is the account of creation. God has finished, created the whole universe and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, so God take, in the biblical days, it takes six days. Uh, some, some theologians believe this is a literal six days. Uh, some believe, well, it's not. It's just six days in, in kind of li literally form point of view. It, it could take many days, many years, 
when it comes to human days. Isn't the Bible also says that, you know, one day for us is a, a, a day of God is like a thousand days for us. Uh, so they are days and God days may not be one to one, so to speak. So, so, but the Bible says it's six days God created the earth and uh, the universe. And then on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So there's a couple of things we, we can notice here. First is even God rests. Do you see that? You say God rested. But because God rests, we must conclude that rest is not just a way to recharge at the end of the day. Because God is omnipotent, all-powerful. God, he does not need to recharge like us. So when the Bible says God rests, it does not mean that, well, rest for us means it's just all about recharging, that we need rest so we can get up not grumpy. Right? God doesn't get grumpy. So the fact that God needs rest, we must conclude that, well, rest is much more than recharging. Okay? Uh, so that's the first thing we must, we, we must see. Uh, we must notice. The other thing is the, the idea of rest that, that we can see here that tie into what God says. It says that he has finished what he has done, right? So he had done here, I think it appears at least three times or four times here. Uh, first time and on the seventh day, he finished his work that he has done. And the next sentence he says, from all his work that he has done, and on the seventh day, God blessed the day, make it holy. God rested all his work that he had done in creation. The idea of rest means, in this context, is the idea of completion. That you rest because you have done it. You have completed what you set out to do. There's the idea of perfection. If you're already finished, you've, you're done. Then you rest. So the idea of God rests here because God has made everything. And he said, everything that he created is good. And he rested. So the idea of rested is not that God is tired and he needs to be recharged. And the, but the idea of rest here, rather, it's about a completion because he has finished the job. So, so when Christians go to bed, yes, we are tired. Right? When we go to bed at night, yes, we are tired. But I think this verse is teaching us as well, before we go to rest, to give thanks to God for what He has accomplished and finished for the day in our lives. So as we go to bed every night, as we close the year, as we are about to take our rest, it is a time for us to thank the Lord for what He has accomplished and finished for that time in our lives. So when you go to bed, you say, God, thank you for what you have accomplished through me and in me today that I can now have fresh in you. So regardless of how your day went, it could be a really bad day, yet God has apportioned that for you for that day. It's worth and rejoicing and thankful for. So when, when you go to bed, 
you don't give thanks because the day has gone well only. Even when the day has gone so bad that we give thanks to the Lord because it, that day has finished and God has shown His mercy and grace in our lives. Do you see that? The idea of rest is the idea of the job is done, accomplished for that day. So we can give thanks to God every day. And Matthew 6.34 says this. Um, I think we, we all know this verse by heart. Uh, if you don't, worth memorizing this. Because as you go to work, as you study, as you struggle in life, preach this truth, this good news to yourself. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The Lord give us a promise that at, at the end of the day, on the night when you rest, that's finished. Job well done. Now you can give thanks and rest. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow then it's another day. Tomorrow is today when you get there. That should be our attitude. So that's the idea of rest uh, that the Bible brings us. It's much more than just recharging as we sleep. Uh, Deuteronomy 12. This is another idea of rest. Deuteronomy 12, verse 10. But when you go over the Jordan, so the context of this is the people of God, the Israelis, they, they, they escape, uh, run away, or rescued from slavery, from Egypt, entering the promised land. And But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land of the Lord, your God is giving you to inherit the promised land. And when, you, he gives, and when He gives you rest from all your enemies around, so that you live in safety. So God again speak about the idea of giving the people rest. What does the rest here means for us? Well, first it says, how do we get the rest? How we get rest? He said, the Lord gives. We don't get rest because we go to sleep. As I said, a lot of people can go to bed, but they don't sleep. Or even when they close their eyes, they could hardly sleep. They get up, they're tired. If you can wake up fresh, that's God's gifts that we should be thankful for. So if, if, you, if you don't have anything to be thankful for when you wake up in the morning, is the fact that you have a good sleep. Lord, I didn't know. Why. Wow, it was nine hours I've slept. For well, five hours. See, five hours of good sleep, it's much better than nine hours of restless sleep. Um, so the idea of rest here, it says to us that it is God's gift to us. And the second thing is rest means peace and safety. So there's so much more to rest than just recharging at night. That rest is something that we don't earn. So we think just because we lie down at night on the bed, we earn our, our rest? No. It's a gift from God. It's not something that we earn. And in God's rest, we have peace and safety. And that's a true peace and true security that we can have. That is to enter into God's rest. Not more padlocks in our house. Not more uh, advanced security system in our house. See, we, we grow in a society where we are so suspicious of people that you know, we, we can't find peace and security and, and safety anymore around us. I have a friend in Perth who, uh, 
whose parents are so paranoid, they have like literally three to five padlocks on their doors. And not only that, as they, the parents, this is my friend telling me a story, as, as they walk out of the door, to the, they have a lawn in front of their house to get mails from the mailbox, probably like, I don't know, a few steps, they would lock the door, get the mails and open the door and go back in. So they would get out of the house, lock the door just to get the mail and come back. We live in such a world where sometimes as Christians, we, we, we take this for granted that we, well, we have peace, we have security. We, we, we don't worry so much. But the world's worry a lot. Your colleagues worry a lot more than you are. And that's why we can bring good news to them. The fact that you're not worried so much and not so anxious so much. That's a blessing that you can bring, the good news that you can bring to your friends. So don't take that for granted. Use that opportunity to be a blessing. Uh, don't, don't join in in the, in the anxiety and their worry and their, you know, like their panic. So rest means peace and safety. As we enter God's rest, we'll find true peace and true security in God. So how do we find rest? Let's read Ruth uh, 3, uh, verse 2 to 5. Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See his winnowing barley tonight at the dressing floor. Was therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, and Ruth replied, All that you say, I will do. So the first step of how to find rest in this context that we've just read is taking the initiative. It takes initiative. It does not just happen. It needs our part. It needs our initiatives to do that. Um, so that's the first thing I want to say. And that's, that's also prompt us to what's going to happen. So this is what about to happen between Naomi and Ruth, right? As what they're going to do. They're taking initiative in finding rest. Remember the first verse? Naomi said, I want to find rest for you, Ruth. And then they're now taking the initiatives to do that. Okay? And so what Naomi is basically saying is, you know, make, make, make yourself nice, presentable, and, and I want you to go and see Boaz. So if, if you are still single, uh, I tell this to, you know, young men in my church in Sydney, it's like, you need to take initiative. It just mean like, well, I just don't care about my smell. Uh, I don't care about my dirty clothes and stuff. Well, you need to. Uh, you need to. Uh, that's part of taking initiatives. Uh, that's a, a practical common things that you can do at least. So that's the first thing, taking initiative. And the second things we can root, we can read from our from the next few verses, six to thirteen. Let's read that. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap again. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled. The man here is Boaz. 
was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young women, a young man, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning he will redeem you good. If he will redeem you good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. The second thing I want to say, how we find rest after the taking initiative is to put our trust in the God, in, in the Lord, in God. And in this case, uh, what it means is to not take the matter into your own hands. Yes, we need to take initiative, do all we can do, but we must not take matters into our own hands. We must put our trust in the Lord. What Naomi said is this to Ruth, verse 4. He will tell you what to do. Naomi didn't lay out everything like, okay, Ruth, this is what you must do. Make sure you do this, do this, do this, do this, and that. He just said, well, this is what we should initiate. And just wait, and Boaz will tell you what you must do. So there's part that God will take, will need to do his bit. And our bit is once we take the initiatives, so there's this kind of, working together, journeying together with the Lord in our lives. There's a bit that we must take, and there's the bit that God can do. And only God can do. We should not take and force matters into our own hands. We should not rely on fully, just on our own strength and our own ability. In this case, for Ruth, shouldn't take uh, her physical beauty and being young as a tool to, do, to get what she wants. Because it's so easy for her to do that as a young woman. Uh, if, if you've been blessed with, with a physical beauty, praise the Lord. But what God is saying is, don't use that to take matters into your own hand. Don't take advantage of that. But yet, trust in the Lord to provide for you. So, another thing that we must notice is the idea of of threshing floor. So in those days, threshing floor is it's uh, it's a, it's not it's not quite a nice place. It's a place of laborers who work and they they earn money and they get tired and all the stuff. And and in in Hosea nine, I'm not sure whether I have it. On Hosea nine verse one, it tells us give us these pictures that in threshing floors is where prostitution happened. Because there are a lot of workers there. And uh, so by, for Naomi to send Ruth to the threshing floor as a young woman at night could be a dangerous thing, could be seen as a, wow, this, this, this is not right. That's why the idea is go silently. It's like go tiptoeing so that no one notice, so that you don't make any scene, uh, trust that God will work in this. So that's, that's kind of 
what, what's happening as well. So Ruth cannot be so open to say, hey, Boaz, that kind of idea. She has to be more discreet because of the concept, you know, the idea of well, women in the, in the field at night. Okay? So, so Ruth must be careful as well not to do anything that could suggest any ungodly intention to Boaz. Another important thing uh, we, we could see in this is the, uh, the fact that Boaz, what Boaz says and what Boaz sees in Ruth. Verse 11. Let's look at that verse 11 that we just read. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Remember how chapter 2 starts? How the author of, chapter, of Ruth introduced Boaz? It says in Ruth 2 verse 1, it says what? Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man. See, this is amazing. This story uh, of uh, kind of beginning of the love story between Boaz and Ruth is amazing. It's a, it's a story of, of uh, a farmer, Boaz, a worthy man, meeting a, a, a godly, surprisingly a foreign woman, a Gentile, but godly, worthy women, upstanding, godly women. So if, if their story would have been made into a sitcom, it would be like a farmer finds a wife, you know, um, kind of idea. Um, the word townsman, I'm not sure about your, your Bible translation in, in verse 11 here, is that my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. The word townsman there, if you want to translate it literally from, uh, from the Hebrew, is means, townsman means all the gate of my people. People at my gate. The people at the gates, townsmen. So that's, that's a literal uh, translation from, from Hebrew. And, and in Hebrew Bible, the reason I highlight this is because of this. In Hebrew Bible, the order of, of, uh, of the book of Ruth is that Ruth comes after Proverbs. So after Proverbs comes Ruth. And if you look at, if you turn to Proverbs, the last verse of Proverbs, the last chapter and the last verse of Proverbs, it, it reads this. So this is the verse, the very last verse, Proverbs 31, verse 31, is the last verse before we read Ruth in the Hebrew Bible. It says, and let her works praise her in the gates. And what is Proverbs 31? It's about, Proverbs 31 talks about a worthy and beautiful wife what we must seek or what a woman should be like, what a wife should be. That's Proverbs 31. So all ladies and all men, this is the kind of your future wife should be in Proverbs 31. And as you look, look, read the, the, the Proverbs 31 and Ruth, you can see a lot of parallels between Ruth and Proverbs 31. And I'm just going to highlight a few things uh, quickly. There are five things I want to highlight what we found in Proverbs 31, a worthy woman, and in Ruth. Ruth is diligent in her labor, hardworking woman. Uh, Ruth dependent on God. Ruth devoted to her family. Ruth is discreet with men. This is so important in the, in the culture that we live in. Like so many women are no longer discreet about it, about their sexuality, about everything. But he, Proverbs and Ruth show us that we must Women must be discreet with men. And, and the fifth thing I want to say is 
she dressed with care as well. Very careful in how you dress. So, so that's, that's the connection there. So when you read Proverbs 31 about a worthy woman, and then comes the book of Ruth, God want to show us this, this is one of the models of a worthy woman. Let's continue to read from uh, Ruth uh, chapter 3, and we're going to close in these uh, four verses, five verses, 14 onwards. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize one another. And he said, let it, be, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment that you are wearing and hold it out. So he held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. He said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. So Boaz said in verse 17, 317, you must not go back to Ruth empty-handed to your mother-in-law. So the idea of rest in this chapter is telling us that rest is the opposite of being empty. Okay? So if you have rest, means you are not empty. And Boaz make that clear to Ruth, you must not return. As, as, as Naomi says to Ruth, I will find you rest. We must find rest for you. And Boaz said, as you return to Naomi, you must not return empty-handed. So there's this connection between finding rest as the opposite of emptiness. So Boaz makes sure as Ruth returns that she does not return empty-handed. And as, as we know, uh, as we read before, Ruth 121, Naomi, one of one's Naomi's complaint is what? is that she say, I, I went away full and came back empty. So my question, I'm going to close with a couple of questions, but first question is, are you feeling empty with your life today? The solutions for feeling empty in your life is rest. It's not stuffing yourself with more things in your life. Sometimes people think, man, I'm so empty in my life. Let me get a Xbox. You sometimes can see the maturity of a person in Christ by how do they answer to the emptiness in their life. Are you feeling empty with your life? If you are, the solution is finding rest in God. God is inviting us to Himself, for in Christ alone we can find true rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, Come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, if you've been a Christian long enough, you may feel like, man, I, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I can't do this anymore. And this God's invitation for us this morning is, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, for I will give you rest. See, the Lord blesses those who seek him. The Lord and only the Lord can give us true rest. Not the holiday, not the sleep at night, 
not the new car, not the new house, not the new toy, not the next big shopping, or whatever we are into, none of that will give us fullness in life. None of those can, give, can fill in the emptiness in our life. As I said, we need to take initiatives. Uh, and at the same time, we need to trust in the Lord, not in our own ability. We must remember that as we, as we take the step, the initiative to find rest in God, that ultimately it is our faith in Christ that gives us rest, not our own ability to do that. Hebrews 4, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So what the Word of God says to us here is there are people who heard the good news who hear the invitation to find rest in God, but they cannot. Why? They take the initiative, but they cannot. Why? Because they do not have faith. Because they do not have faith. So entering to God's rest must be by faith, not by works. Yes, we must take the initiative, but it is by faith we enter into God's rest. See, Naomi and Ruth the story so far tells us that Naomi and Ruth um, need more than Boaz, the Redeemer who can rescue them from poverty and uh, providing them with an, with an heir, with children. They need a Redeemer who could rescue them from their sin. Sometimes we are so caught up with the needs of our world or, or physical, tangible needs that we for God, that ultimately for us to have true rest, we need someone who can redeem us beyond our physical needs, beyond our worldly needs. We need a redeemer who can provide for our sins, who can rescue us from our sins. And Isaiah 44, verse 22 says this, I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. And I'm going to close with these last two verses. Galatians 4, 4 to 5. But when the fullness of time had come, completion, the idea of finished, job done, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. God in the fullness of time, God sent His Son, Jesus. Why? So that we might receive adoptions as sons. And that is our true rest in God. That we are no longer seeking people's approval and try to be somebody uh, in, in, in life. We are already somebody in God's eyes. We are sons and daughters in God's eyes. And when we realize this, then we can truly have rest and enter into His rest in our life. Let's bow our heads and pray.